Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. cover the show Navilera back in August and I'm only getting to it now so I appreciate your patience with this but today's show is Navilera. I am looking at this show because it's one of these additionally um, how, how should we how should we categorize this this kind of theme is it like a geriatrics kind of theme that sounds too clinical is it like seniors? I mean, it's basically, it's in that category of K-drama genre that I would say belongs to uh, senior-focused themes. Why can't I speak today? It's basically a show that the where the protagonists are elderly people. And you do have a younger protagonist, but the main, the main character is an elderly person uh, played by Park In-hwan. Park In-hwan is a very, very famous Korean celebrity. Um, of course, people who are younger and people who are not as familiar with Korean content for decades, he might not feel as significant to you, but he is a veteran television and film actor. And he's actually more known for television. Like I've seen him all my life, all my life. I noticed that a lot of these shows tend to be focused on seniors with Alzheimer's and how that affects that individual, but of course, also the family. And I just wonder, aren't there more than just Alzheimer's patients when it comes to the elderly? Like, aren't there other themes involved? Like poverty, for instance. Poverty is a huge problem among senior citizens in South Korea. Another big issue is loneliness, isolation, neglect, abandonment, all of those things are major issues. In the case of Navilera, you have uh, Park In-hwan playing this um, retired postal worker named Shim Tok-chol, and it's his 70th birthday. All the kids are there, his grown children, three of them, and they're celebrating his birthday, but they're all they're also very self-absorbed, right? Um, they all have their own problems going on, mostly motivated by their own greed, right? Except for maybe one person. That's um, Shim Dok Chai's youngest son, who used to be a surgeon, but now he's kind of pursuing filmmaking and just sort of figuring out his life. So uh, what I loved about this show is that you have this senior citizen who is a retiree, and he, he had a very humble career uh, as a postal worker most of his life. Uh, but he also had this lifelong dream to pursue ballet. I mean, it's very, very specific and strange, honestly. You know, I mean, how often do you hear grandpa say, you know, I wanted to be a ballerina when I was younger and now I'm going to do it at age 70. I mean, it's really bold. And I love this show because of that boldness. It's like absurd, right? I mean, when the kids find out 
about this, they all kind of lose their shit. They they go crazy. They're like, they can't believe, right? Especially Tuk uh, Cheol's eldest son, right? Sung San. He's just like, it's weird. It's it's shameful. It's embarrassing to us. It's embarrassing to your grandchildren. Stop, right? And uh, you know, at, at one point, Tuk Cheol does give it up. Right, because his wife pleads with him. His wife is like, you know, we we couldn't offer our children anything. We just raised them in poverty all our lives, and now that they're older, the least we can do is just listen to their pleas. And you know, guilt trips him into abandoning his dream. Right, but he comes back to it. <laughs> he comes back to it, and um, I I really love this show for that reason. There's this kind of a cloaked exploration of queerness here. Queerness it can not only refer to non-heteronormative coupling or intimacy or you know non-gender binary kinds of identities, but it can also point to uh, things that fall outside the quote-unquote social norm. Okay, anything that is going against the grain of that society can be qualified as queerness, as I'm sure I've talked about on this podcast before. So even though Shim Dukchul is a hetero man, hetero cis man, and he is his sexuality is not in question here, the career path that he chooses, an artistic expression through dance, through performance art, that is not typical of a of an elderly man in Korean society, right? So he's taking on a queer choice in this story world. And I honestly, I really love this exploration. I love how uh, dedicated and serious these artists are, right? Like, for instance, you have the kid, right? The Yi Chae-rok, played by Song Kang. You have him, who's very, very dedicated to his career as a ballerino, but his poverty gets in the way of that, right? Like he needs to support himself financially. He doesn't have the support of his family members. All of those things get in the way. And um, it was a very insightful sort of exploration on how the arts are quite oftentimes reserved for the financially privileged, right? Or for individuals who have a support system. But despite those odds, I loved how Cherok was pursuing this this career. It also had some very real examinations of drug addiction or drug abuse as uh, performers or athletes, right? Because that's also real. Um, being a dedicated performer, it does take a toll on your body. That is also in there, um, which I thought, you know, it, it was... It was innovative, in my opinion, because a lot of the times Korean dramas will steer very far away and very clear of anything related to drugs. But in this case, um, being addicted to painkillers is that's a real addiction. I mean, that is a real serious drug addiction. And it's definitely something that plagues uh, many developed nations, including South Korea. Just look at the K-pop industry. A lot of those kids are on a lot of these kinds of um painkillers, pain medications. I loved Namunhee 
and her character in this show too. Namun Hee, you see her as the grandma in so many movies and TV shows, and I think she's a remarkable actress. She has such rawness. Uh, she just feels so real whenever I see her on screen. There's never an ounce of, you know, affected kinds of performance whenever I watch her on screen. She just feels like like a real mother or a real grandmother or just like a real person. Like I, I just love, I love Namun Hee's performances so much. And she plays this supportive wife. Initially, she's very discouraging of uh, Tuk Choi's pursuit in ballet, but she eventually comes around and tells him if you, I mean, if this, if this is what you love and you got to do, then you got to do it. Right. And I really loved her character. And of course you have this whole heartbreak, right. Where, Tuk Choi is losing his memory, right? So he has dementia, he has full-on Alzheimer's, and the the time is ticking. It's this ticking time bomb in his brain. And he keeps it a secret from his family members. And I think it's to preserve this dream goal in his mind as best he can. And it's somehow related to bringing back or restoring memory for him, right? Whenever he sees ballet or he performs ballet, he's able to come back to his his self. So it's this really interesting exploration of psychology, of social uh, quote-unquote norms or the status quo. It's an exploration of issues that plague the elderly community. It's an existential kind of examination as well on life, right? And how opportunities and choices and careers have, I don't know, in a way they have um, become a little bit more diversified in modern Korean society, but in other ways they remain the same, right? Because when Tuk Choi was a young boy, his father basically clocked him upside the head and said, if you, if I ever catch you trying to pursue ballet, I'll beat the shit out of you. But then when Tuk Choi is older and they're in a whole new kind of time in life, period in life, Tuk Choi's children are too conservative to accept the fact that it's their, their father wants to pursue this as a career or even as a hobby. They can't accept that. There's an exploration of child abuse here. Today in modern Korean society, corporal punishment is absolutely illegal in schools. And that is where uh, Chedok's father comes in, right? Uh, it's played by Cho Sung-ha, but Yimu Young is the coach. He used to be a soccer coach at Chedok's school, but he was practicing corporal punishment when he was being a soccer when he when he was working as a soccer coach and that caused severe trauma on some of the students and you have a student Yang Hobum right played by Kim Kwan he's one of the victims of Chedok's father's abusive methods in coaching soccer and you can see that this was a trauma for this young man he has a lot of um animosity towards the coach. He feels like the coach's abusive ways were are the reasons why he is no longer able to pursue soccer today. But you also see that there are these limited beliefs that these characters have constructed over time, right? I mean, okay, yeah, there are pressures in society. There are uh, abusers and there are these monsters in your life. But you're no longer in that place. That's in the past. So who 
and what are you now in this present moment in the safety and comfort of this stable existence that you're in? Are you able to get past those experiences and still pursue what it is that you want? And that's a question that we can all ask ourselves. I definitely had to ask myself that question today when I was revisiting, um, not revisiting, more like these flashbacks came back to me, resurfaced um, from my traumatic past. Another thing about this show is that it's only 12 episodes. And this is something that I, it's a pattern that I noticed with a lot of these elderly um, protagonist uh, shows. Like in that other show, what was it? Light in the light in my eyes, the light behind my eyes. Um, it stars Kim Heja, and she's basically an Alzheimer's patient in that show as well. And that was only 12 episodes too. And I don't know if it's because uh, these elderly actors can't do 16 to 20 episode series, or if it's because the shows are just not as popular, so they limit it to a 12 episode miniseries. In any case, that's just a pattern I'm noticing. I don't know if it's significant or if it's meaningful in any which way yet, but I think there is something to be said about that. Today, I talked to my guest, Tim Murray. He's a comedian. He is based in Los Angeles. He was on the other two on HBO Max. He's also in the new film Swan Song, starring Jennifer Coolidge, which is in theaters. Tim is very, very funny. I I really loved him. I think Tim is brilliant when it comes to improv comedy. He is very, very good at yes anding. He's very, very good at thinking on his feet. He's somebody I think is incredibly gifted and talented. And I... I adore him. He's also a great stand-up comedian. I know that he is. Um, he he has an hour special that he's been touring, and I think he's going to be in Cleveland, Ohio, sometime this holiday season. So you can find him there. You could look him up at timmariecomedian.com and find all the information on tour dates there. Tim and I play tennis too. Uh, we play tennis once. <laughs> I'd like to play him again. But it, playing tennis with him is an absolute joy because he's very good. He's very good at tennis. Um, he's better than me. He beat me at tennis the last time we played. Uh, and my whole body ached the next morning. And I needed a couple days to recuperate. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Without further ado, let's talk to Tim Murray. I get it. It's all good. Thank you so much. Yeah, sorry. It's my friend's birthday and we were playing tennis together. And I. You play tennis? Yeah, do you? Yeah. Grace, will you you want to play? We need to play tennis. Can we please oh play God. tennis? Yes, please. I'm literally I'm like so obsessed. I'm trying to find people to play all the time. That would be so fun. There are nobody like there are no there are no people around me who play tennis. You know, there are people who say like, yeah, I play tennis, and then we get on the court, and they're like, yeah, I played once in gym class. I'm like, what? <laughs> you don't fucking play tennis, bro. girl. You don't fucking play tennis. Don't be hitting it to the people next to me over here on this court. I'm trying to play. Exactly. What That's the amazing. hell? You don't play tennis? Wait, I'm so excited. I'm literally like, yeah. I played growing up and then I didn't play for like 15 years. And then yeah. I started Same. playing during the pandemic. Really? Same. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't play like in a really, really long time, but I played in, uh, I played since elementary school, elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, I'm not that great, but like I can hit a ball, you know, right. like <laughs> I can, I can hit a serve that lands, you know, like I know the fucking rules and shit, you know? Yeah. 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 
Oh, this That's is all so you exciting. Need, baby. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I literally like every day I'm like, I wish my friends were more reliable so I could go <laughs> play. But this friend who I played with this morning, he and I have been playing like three or four times a week. Oh, intense. I know. But yeah, I'm still not, that's good. I'm still not great. My serves are getting really good, but I, it's still, I, everything else is still bad. No, so, fit me in. Fit me in. I want to play. I want to play. I would love, wait, where do you live? I'm in the valley. Yeah. So close. I have the perfect spot for us, too. It's in Glendale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like overlooks the mountains and there's never anybody there. It sounds beautiful. Let's do it. It's, it's awesome. perfect. Okay, I'm so excited about this. I'm down. I'm down. We're going to do this. Oh, my God. Thank God. Every time I find somebody who says, like, yeah, I play tennis, I'm just like, <laughs> I got to hang on to them. I see 100%. <laughs> that's good. I'm so happy that you're out there playing tennis, man. Oh, yeah. So, so that's what you were doing during the pandemic, huh? Like trying to get more active. Um. Okay, we could spin the narrative that way. Sure. We could say <laughs> We can say that. Grace, I love what I love the angle you're taking on this. Yeah. Um, I definitely did not. I definitely gained, say with me, about 40 pounds in this Ooh, pandemic. Maybe nice. not during the I probably started around 15 pounds when the <laughs> pandemic was starting. Okay. All right. Like more, more than I realized when I was like, oh, that's way more than my resume says I weigh. <laughs> And then, so I probably packed on a, a little over 20 dur during the, during okay. the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about average. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so no, I wasn't exactly getting active. This The tennis, <laughs> the tennis, uh, like three or four times a week thing has really started in the last month, I would say. September. Okay. It's Sweet. September. I've really started getting at it. The fall's the best time, you know? Because it was too hot there for a minute. No, no, no. I can't do it cannot you know what i do is i'll sometimes just go to the wall because there's like a tennis wall in my in sherman oaks so i just go there and i'll just like hit the wall for like an hour and I'll, it'll be satisfying just as satisfying yeah wait you've got to give me the location of this because i <laughs> i i'm not kidding i've been going grace i went like i went and served by myself at a court recently because i just wanted to play so bad and it was so tragic That's and so sad heartbreaking it was yeah. sad i feel but like i understand I feel like, you get it? There were all these like 60, 70 year old people looking at me like, yeah, no, look, no, at no, sad, I get it. look at that sad kid with no friends. <laughs> and then these older, like really super nerdy IT guys came up to me and they were like, um, hey, how long are you going to be? And I was like, <laughs> "I, you can have the court. It's fine. <laughs> and they were like, do you want to play with us? We could do like Australian Canadian tennis or whatever. <laughs> with like uh two on one i was mm -hmm. like yes and so i played with strangers so and that fun. was i felt like a kid i felt like a kid yes. like playing with other random kids yeah at the they're like come play with us that was nice of those it people it was so nice that i loved them so yeah. much they were so sweet and they were older they were just like oh, very sweet yeah that is so i love that story yeah no mm -hmm. you know like when i'm playing at the wall um my, my, <laughs> the, wall. the wall you know at the wall at the sherman wall. oaks th there are just you know these fucking uh pushy ass bitches who are standing there going like how long are you gonna be like when are you gonna get off i'm like i just got here and they're just like yeah but like what time you know i'm like oh my god like just fucking uh, give me a minute give me you know, a minute give me a fucking minute it's always like women too you know like the women are the ones that like really want to know like what time did you get here what time are you going to get off like and they'll be like i got here first so when you're done make sure you see me i'm like i'm not gonna no 
I'm not doing any of that shit. I got here when I felt like coming here. I got the wall now. I'm gonna leave when I feel like it, and I don't. I don't want to see you at all. Like you know. What is it's that? Just... You're right. It's so gendered, and I would say oh. that same thing happens only with men at the gym. Only men are coming up to you at the weights, being like, "How much longer you got?" I'm like, can you <laughs> fucking relax? Go use a different machine. Exactly. And when I'm done, this will be open. Exactly. Because that's the thing. It's like we're at a park. We're at a gym. There are many equipments. There are many activities. Like, do something different. Get your focus on, you know, off this for a while and Go then come stretch, back. Babe. Go stretch Go and come stretch. back, babe. <laughs> stretch. That's what I say to the people crowding me at the courts. <laughs> Go stretch and come back, babe. When Go you're on. done stretching in your back, these will be free. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Also, it drives me nuts. This this family came in today when we were finishing up. We had to, we were like going really head to head. We weren't sure who was going to win. And yeah. Grace, there were, I'm not kidding, six open courts. Six <laughs> open courts. And they were like, yeah, we have this one. It's 10 a.m. We have this one. And they made us move over to the other one. I was like, can you just let us finish our game and you go use the one that's open? I would never do that to somebody. I would just go yeah. use the open one. And right. then if someone was going to kick me off, then I would be like, hey, guys, sorry, like, this is actually our court. Exactly. But to be like, when there's all these open court sex. What is that? Have we learned nothing from this pandemic? God. We haven't. I don't think we have. You know, like, I mean, the truth of the matter is, like, we all did change during the pandemic. You know, like, you gained 40 pounds. Like, you know, you changed <laughs> in that way. Um, you know, but we all, like, got real introspective. And, like, we went inside and blah, blah, blah. We did all that shit. But we come back out in the world and, you know, old habits, they just come right back like that instantly. It's astounding. It is. It's it's just the way of being human. And, you know, I get it. Like, what it is, it, it's not the people's fault technically. It's the system's fault, right? Like, when you were mm. saying that the court was reserved, is it like, you know, you go online, you pay $12 and you reserve the court? Is it like, are they talking about that? Like, court number one, court number two? Yes. yes okay, see? So it's the fucking system's fault if you think about it, because if we didn't have that stupid ass system, then we wouldn't have these stupid ass petty fights over what number, what time, blah, blah, blah. You know, if the fucking park where we, you know, where our tax dollars go to didn't charge us fucking $12 to reserve and pay and all this bullshit, if people could just show up and just play and just go, right, if it was just open to the public like that, then we wouldn't have these petty ass stupid fucking fights. Right? Fucking capitalism. You're so right. You're I'm so feeling the heat from yeah. you on this. You're so I, right. I hate the fucking... Why is it like that? It's like, this is such an LA thing, too. Because, like, you know, in New York and Jersey, like, I never dealt with this uh, court reservation system online. You know, it was literally like, oh, you show up at the park, you watch some people play, and you wait, and then we just go and, and hit balls, like, when they're done. You know, that's how it was. And in Ohio, courts on courts on courts, just empty courts for free <laughs> as far as as far as the eye could see. I mean, truly, it's like yeah. this is a very this is a very LA thing. But in New York City, honey, mm -hmm. I lived there for seven years. You couldn't find yeah. yourself a court. Couldn't okay. find a court. Yeah, that's true. No, I guess I'm talking more about Jersey. I would go to the parks in Jersey and play with my friends there. And um Jersey Jersey folk, they were pretty peaceful about it. They were chill about it. Yeah. That's not something you often hear about Jersey folk, that they're <laughs> chill. They're peaceful and chill. That's not they're the stereotype, not. I would say, about, about yeah. Jersey folk. 
you know, it's like, it depends, right? It depends, like, with everything. You know, New York people are mm. not chill either, but in some aspects, they're very chill, you know? That is, like, that is a very good, that's very right? true. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it depends. Like, LA people, they're not chill, but with certain things, they're, like, way chill, you know? Like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, it just really depends on what flares up our egos at what time and in what circumstance, like... You know, when's the last time that like your ego got flared up and you had to kind of take a moment and be like, all right, Tim, what's happening here? Uh, I, I, like every 30 seconds. <laughs> 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 um, let's That's see real. here. How much do I want to mm-hmm. reveal about myself yeah. and my flaws? Um, I would say uh, literally playing tennis, like I... I get so mad when I don't do well. I get yeah. so mad. Yeah. I don't like slam the racket or anything. I'm, I'm not like toxic mask insane, like a John <laughs> McEnroe or something, like breaking my racket in half. I play with my straight brother and he was yeah. literally, he's yeah. five years older than me. So he beat me at yeah. every sport always right. growing up. He oh, wow. dunk on me in basketball and it was <laughs> horrible. Just to emasculate like a, you. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I played tennis with him last time I was home a couple months ago and he, Grace, you should have seen this grown man, this almost 40-year-old man throwing his racket at the fence. And I was dunking on him, and I was I was not letting letting yeah. go. I was like, these are for all the years mm-hmm. that you beat me at basketball. Yes. And I was just slamming, slamming yeah. the ball in his face. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, the man was throwing his racket like, like it was a ring toss. Oh, goodness. Just like it was a horseshoe ring toss. I was like, stop oh, throwing that racket. Yeah. Get a grip. Yeah, literally. literally get a grip. Grip that racket harder. Don't <laughs> throw it. Literally get a grip. Yeah, rackets cost money. You don't want to smash that shit, you know? Like, come on. Very silly. expensive. Stupid. They are. You know, I, I, I get it. Like, I guess what it is, is it's disappointment in the self, right? Ultimately, that's what that is. Yeah. yeah. And probably like roots back to our childhood of mm. how we felt like we were a disappointment to our parents or something yeah. like you really mm-hmm. you know you didn't get enough validation or whatever that you were mm-hmm. looking for and then you you're mm-hmm. still holding on to that Mm-mm. 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 it's like it's like uh what is it you know kids don't generally don't really care like when um there is no reward or punishment right like that's something children learn through reinforcement and over time, like parents will be like, all right, like you're doing great. You're doing great. And the kids like feel good. And then they'll be like, okay, you suck now. Now you suck. Now you're sucking ass. You're fucking shit up on that court. You suck. I'm going to disown you. I hate you. Like they're not saying that, but in a way they're kind of saying like that's what the yeah. kids take in, right? And it's like survival mode. Kids just have like basic survival mode. It's just literally like kids are wired. Like they just, like, just want to live. They just don't want to die, right? So that's how it gets and then it's like all right like if i want to get mother's love i have to kick ass and if i'm not kicking ass then they're gonna fucking not pay attention to me so let me go Mm. and bust my racket and scream and now she's gonna attend to me and so that also gets reinforced too the anger response the that tantrum response that also kind of gets reinforced too so yeah it's ultimately it is their fault it's their fault i guess it is like everything is about trying to get parental love like like your whole fucking life is like i'm listening to a lot of oprah right now and it's just like 
It's always it always comes back to that. It's always that they're talking. There was she was like interviewing these this like relationship therapist, and he was like talking to these couples who were like on the brink of breaking up. And Mm. then he did this work with them where they were like, "What if you talk to your partner like they were your parent, and you're pretend you're a little kid, and like, what are you really mad about?" And then it always came back to that. It was always like, "You were so controlling. You didn't let me Mm. play with other kids growing up. You made me stay inside all the time." And sure enough, this dude was like projecting that onto his poor wife who was like i'm just trying to chill and live my life and you are acting like i'm like crazy controlling and i'm not and he's like right oh my god you're right i'm just (laughs) i'm like any little thing that you do triggers me to like my parents like not letting me do whatever i wanted yeah yeah crazy i wonder if oprah had a good childhood I wonder too. How did she, she become did. like? I don't think she did either. She didn't. She's. I'm sure she has like a lot of trauma. I do know that uh, before she got her talk show, she was like a drug addict and shit. Like she was a huge mess. I don't know what happened, but she had a fucked up life. Grace, are you making that up? I'm not. I <laughs> I I was just like because you know like this was like like a while ago and i was just like what's with oprah like what's her life you know and i was just kind of reading shit and like she used to go on benders like she was like all a big fuck up and then she kind of was trying to turn her life around and um read stuff got therapy da 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 and then that's when she started doing the talk show thing you know how do we get there how do we do that how do you go from fucked up life to red, red stuff I don't did know. therapy and now I have a talk show. <laughs> I know, and become a billionaire overnight. I don't know. I mean, seriously, that get woman your... really has it together. She is, yeah, yeah. She really got it together there. I do have a joke, though, where I call Oprah a white supremacist, and everybody <laughs> loves it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she made it. That's why, okay? It's because she's a fucking white supremacist. That's why she made it, okay? That is so fucking funny. It's you're so true. funny. I think you're funny. What are you I kidding love, me? I love looking at your stuff online. I I got. I want to. Are you doing a lot of stand up lately? I uh, yeah. Looks like you I are. mean yeah. Because I'm I'm, I'm stand up. I'm like pure stand up. Like I wish I was more like you. You know. Like I love your memes. First of all, they fucking kill me. Like <laughs> they make you. me shit my pants every morning. Like I don't need my morning coffee. I just watch your memes and then I'm like, mo- like my bowels are moving. You know. And uh, I love your videos. <laughs> like you're the ten things I hate about you thing when you're reading it. Wearing the wig. I was just like, oh my god, I can't, I can't. It's fucking me. My it's oldest so party weird. trick in the book. Like I've been literally. <laughs> Really doing the ten things I hate about you monologue since like college parties. Just I would just it's out of so nowhere. Good. I used to do it for auditions in New York <laughs> for like serious plays. Like I think I did it for a Shakespeare audition one time, and they were just looking at me like, "What the? Fuck? <laughs> they don't why get the you, reference. They don't get the reference." And I say, "Well, yeah. I don't want to work for you then. If Julia you don't get the Stiles, reference, if you don't get yeah. Julia Styles, then you don't She's deserve." She's a huge me. Shakespearean kind of actress, you know. All I about mean, she, that shit. She really was. She was the. She was like our generation's like Shakespeare One. film actress. Yeah. Yes. 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 Let's yes. name she them. Was, Let's name them. I mean, ten things to hate about you is is a it's Taming a, of the Shrew. Taming of the Shrew, and she was also in the um the uh, Macbeth, right? The, Hamlet. 
Hamlet. Is that the New York City with like Bill Murray and shit? Is that? Yes. Yes. She was in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sure was. And that was straight up Shakespeare. Like that was like actually Shakespeare dialogue. They did the actual dialogue. She was not in Romeo and Juliet, though. But Claire Danes was, and that is almost the same person. They're basically the same. You're right. That's basically the same person. (laughs) Like similar vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wafy white women (laughs) around the same age. But then also, so I think Roman Juliet counts. Also, she was in O, the oh, Othello yeah. adaptation. She yeah. only she was like the Shakespeare girl, which is obsessed, really shocking. She's obsessed with Shakespeare. Man, I Can't wonder what enough. she's doing, huh? I wonder what she's up to. She's off somewhere reading to Shakespeare. <laughs> look at her being about it. Just loving the Shakespeare nonstop. <laughs> no, I actually just heard her on um, Michelle Collins' podcast, a listener, if you don't know Michelle Collins, you gotta. She's so funny. Okay. Her, she had her, Julia Stiles on her podcast, and Julia Stiles was ta- talking like, like she's just been working, like a working actress for the last several years. She was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm in Amsterdam shooting," and she's talking about some TV show that Grace, no one's ever heard Nobody's of. Nobody's seen it. No Nobody's one is watching it. that show. Uh-uh, no. But way. she's, I think it's on its like third or fourth season or something. She's on some. She's employed. She's mama stays employed. <laughs> she's getting the paychecks and you know, that's that's all that matter that's all that matters. You're a working actor and that's all that matters, right? True. Uh, yeah. And you know what? We still talk about her cuz she was in 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> Just a classic. One of the best one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> in my life. It's so good. Allison Janney? Come on. As she's amazing concert? she's amazing in that yeah that like Heath ledger great. come on it was oh so good um, the two of them have such chemistry in that film they larissa do. olenek secret <laughs> world of alex mack yeah yeah come on. iconic um i was really okay so during the pandemic i was like re-watching a lot of like 90s stuff you know mm. and one of the things that i rewatched was uh she's all that oh <gasps> Okay, that was bizarre. That was crazy. That, that was, was really fucked crazy. up. That, that was, was really up. fucked up. That, that was. <laughs> I'm, scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. We're I'm witches. scared. I feel Halloween vibes coming through the screen. That was scary. This is the craft. We are joining a coven. Listener, you obviously can't see, but as Grace said, she's all that. I, I held up. My T-shirt that says all, all that. that, like as you were saying the words, all that. Yeah, it's like you predicted it. Like how? How did you do? Do 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 do. <laughs> I mean, well, in fairness, when you said '90s, yeah. this is. I mean, I like loved the, that show, right? Show. Like Keenan, Keenan Thompson. I mean, hello, queen. true queen. Yeah, uh, what's her face? Um, Lori Beth Denberg. <laughs> you know them all. Who's the one that lost her mind eventually? Oh, Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Bynes. Amanda Bynes was a big all that person, right? Judge Huge Trudy. Star. Judge oh, Trudy. I forgot about Judge Trudy. She was so good at Judge Trudy. Like the she faces she would make. Hated Judge. I forgot about Judge Trudy. Oh. I always remember Dear Ashley. Dear, Dear Ashley. Ashley. That's me. 
There was one that was like, it used to get me together. I still remember like it was yesterday because I used to laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeah. These people would ask, call or write into Ashley. She'd say, dear Ashley, that's me. And then give them advice. And the whole game was that she was like very chill and smart. But then she would lose her fucking shit at how dumb the questions were. It was a really funny bit. And one time the person was like, dear Ashley, I like peanut butter on the top of my peanut butter and jelly and jelly on the bottom. But my mom keeps making the... Sandwiches with jelly on the top and peanut butter on the bottom. What should I do? Well, Jessica, why don't you turn the freaking sandwich over? You freaking idiot. What are you, stupid? What are you, dumb? Turn the sandwich over. Gosh. And she couldn't curse, but it was like she was like having like a freaking. She was saying the f word everywhere. Yeah, like you could hear it anyhow. It was you could hear it anyhow. It was so satisfying. Oh, so good. Oh my, she was like a genius. Honestly, you know, she really was. She was like a brilliant performer and super hilarious. And you know the shit that went down. Even that was still hilarious to watch. Like as like harrowing and dark and sad. It was. It, I was like, if this is a performance, like she has it. Like she's got it. She has my attention. She is amusing me. She's entertaining the world. You know. Uh, but it wasn't. Like it was a full on meltdown. You know. Yeah. And my friend who I played tennis with, he said that he saw her at a UCB show before the breakdown. She like oh. came to UCB to like. Yeah to laugh and see a yeah, show yeah, yeah. and she he said she was so um level-headed normal taking oh, yeah. pictures with all of them she seemed yeah. super lucid and then like i mean who knows what goes on with with a person's mental health it's like probably not great to speculate yeah. but i have heard through the grapevine that she was really similar to a britney spears situation like put huh. in some really compromising horrible positions and yeah. who knows like what kind of medication was given was a, to her yeah of course she was a child actor you know yeah. like child actors are essentially like slaves <laughs> there's yeah it doesn't yeah it doesn't it doesn't famously go well for most of them oh never like pretty much never you know uh i just finished uh watching the fourth season of um handmaid's tale do you watch that show i sure do and i'm caught up as well okay okay this this is a recent phenomenon i only noticed this about myself last night okay while i was driving because i couldn't stop thinking about him but i'm like obsessed with nick blaine i am in love with nick blaine like what is that why you know why? wait is that is that nick the, guy, the, the officer that she like keeps going that to she's, yeah yeah I'm like in I, love with I mean, him. I got why. I you understand? Too. What do you think? I think we what all. Is, I think we all are. What What's it about him? I think that there are some people in this world who have good energy. Number one, yeah. he's got like good energy. Yes, like he's got calming, welcoming. I don't know. Do you ever see a celebrity and you tell immediately like that person is cool? and mm -hmm. nice or you just know like that person's a butthole like oh. i always knew leah michelle was a butthole you know what i mean you could yeah. tell you oh could, like, she's such a butthole Ugh. and there's there's some people out there who can like okay i'm not gonna name names but there's some people like more in our ether who are like a little famous who play buttholes as their like thing they're like yeah. always kind of jerks and yeah. i'm always a little bit like well, you're really good at that because you're like kind of are that. You you have that's part of you. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. 
that guy seems like he would be lovely to have oh, dinner with. Stable, grounded, yeah. And charming, charming face. Charming as hell. He's got like, one of those faces. It's this ethnically ambiguous look that I'm just like, I don't know what's going on, but I feel safe because I know you're like kind of ethnic, but you know, you're like kind of in between. So you could straddle both worlds and it's all good. You know, he went to Columbia, right? He studied history at Columbia U. His daddy's a screenwriter. His mother is like, that's where he gets his ethnic ambiguity, his Italian father and his mother like was uh is from hong kong and like she has a little bit of like chinese something in there so there it's like it's mixed in there you know and so he comes from good like you know familial pedigree and you know he's smart he's intelligent seems smart yeah 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 like he said smart he's actor. Yeah, yeah yeah like he thinks you know he contextualizes when he gets into character and shit i guess mm-hmm. and I love his voice. Like he has a very yeah. I think that's a big part voice. of voice. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm like, ooh, your voice, and it's soothing. Just, it's soothing. It's yeah. calming. Like you know, Elizabeth Moss, like on this show, like obviously for you know, yeah, come on, she's like a traumatized woman. Like she's all like bad shit, and he just yes ands everything to her. You know, all her mad, insane requests that that require him to put his life on the line. He's always like, yeah, I'll, I'll do, do it. it. I'll yeah. do it. And I'm like, wow, the dedication, the fearlessness, you know, yes. I'm just like, I am so turned on. And like, I was just like, because I didn't care all three seasons, the first three seasons, I, I was like, whatever about him. But season four, I'm like in love with him. And I think it, oh. it's also, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's also because he's older now. Like it's been four years that he's been doing this show. So he's got a, like, I saw a little bit of the grace coming in and You're his right. had matured. And I'm Some like, wrinkles. Oh, yes, the wrinkles. <laughs> You're right, it's kind of hot. The death creeping in on his face. I'm turned on. <laughs> Famously, you are a witch, so it makes sense that you're into like a little bit of death stuff, a little bit of <laughs> knowing that he's yeah. he's mortal. It's my yeah. inner goth girl that's all riled up. Yeah. So, okay, I'm so glad that we got to talk about that because I was just like, last night I was like, why am I, I feel like I'm going insane. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. Wait, but I'm shocked that it was this this last season that really did it for you because he, okay, I think some people just have a likability. Like, Mm -hmm. we used to talk about this in theater school all the time, like, type, right? Like, your type, he's like, he's a likable type of person. Like, when he walks into the room, you see Mm -hmm. him for that character. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah, you are... You you're are cool. you're warm. You have like yeah. a warm energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas like like Elizabeth Moss could never oh. could never be a character like that. No, no, she no. when she walks in the room, you're like, I feel stressed. Yeah. <laughs> and it plays her advantage. I mean, she plays like great. She's phenomenal on that oh, show. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding? Top of the lake? My God. A fucking woman. Did you see Top of the Lake? The Sundance what? TV show? That no. um you should check out Top of the Lake. Okay. She, I'm watch it's like that. it's like the the before Handmaid's Tale, like that mad woman, the insanely stressed out mad woman. Like this was like it came before. And uh what's her Ooh. face? Um directs Jane Campion directed that TV show. It's a Sundance TV show that Jane Campion directed. It's called Top of the Lake, and Elizabeth Moss plays the person in it, and she's really amazing. Could you yeah. be any more artsy right now? I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm like 
if you ask me what you're, I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I'm watching a reality TV show about florists. I don't know <laughs> about a floral competition. And you're like, give awesome. me Sundance TV shows. Actually, it's really good. <laughs> it's it called sounds Polo. great. Are you I kidding? Highly recommend. It's great. Yeah. I actually have a friend who's a clown and a florist. That's his job. We should, we gotta go. We gotta <laughs> wrap up there. We shouldn't be doing this with our lives. Come on. We, Grace, we got to go back to school. We got to become lawyers or something. <laughs> you have a friend that is a clown and a florist? Yeah, he, has he too lives- much creativity. <laughs> he should be ashamed of himself. That's not okay. He's, that's what he is. That's his occupation. He lives upstairs from the, the flower shop that he works at. Like, it, he's got such a good deal. He lives in Los Feliz, and uh, downstairs is a, like a florist. Uh, what do you call it like a flor- floral boutique or whatever and he works there part-time and the other times he's just a clown like that's <laughs> his work okay i need to talk to this fellow i need to talk to this person wait it's not mia's mia's flor- flower shop is it mia's in in los Feliz about right off vermont like by the movie theater yeah yeah Shut yeah yeah it's like I around need- the corner from where the the that french um um restaurant is yeah he works there okay i know i probably know him then <laughs> and i'm so sorry for making fun of you guy because i would love to see your your clownery <laughs> um and i do think i maybe know who you're talking about and if it is he's one is, hot is, and very is, lovely is he hot i find him this adorable. person was hot his name's Every- van jasmine okay is his name and uh, he's also, actually, yeah. you got to go to that place. I mean, that is one of the most amazing flower shops I've ever been into. They are really? so lovely in there. Yeah. The floor, flowers are disgustingly cool. <laughs> like, so gorgeous, so cool. My boyfriend just got a Broadway show, and so yeah. I got him a bouquet from there. And it was oh. uh, roses that were dyed the color of the rainbow. Oh. So each petal was a different it looked like this shirt, like fluorescent oh colors. God. And I was like, oh, do you like paint each petal? And they were like, no, you um, put the the stems in colored dye and it leaks into the way the petal blooms. I was like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. And they made it into the most gay bou- bouquet that's ever been created with <laughs> So gay. <laughs> so gay that's amazing mia's Mia's flower shop it's everything okay yeah i gotta go there the next time i need to buy flowers man you know it's crazy that your it was your friend's birthday like you know you went to a birthday party i have a a birthday party to go to right after this thing like you and me you know it's she she lives in ventura and i was thinking i should bring her flowers (gasps) you should go you should go to mia's and get her flowers i should I sh- and she's and she's gay, so I should bring her a gay ass bouquet of flowers. Okay, hope they still have those those flowers. I don't know if that was like a one time thing, but it was a one time thing just for you and your boyfriend. I'm sure. Yeah, it, yeah that's that. Could After be. that, they were like, "We're never gonna do this ever again." We they are like, "We know how," but this is only for Tim and Tim's boyfriend. <laughs> we're never. Yeah, we know how. We're just, but we're not going to. We're not gonna do it. Yeah, we're not gonna do it. <laughs> Are you excited about this birthday or are you like, uh, I mean, like I love her, you know, she's a, she's a comic as well. Her name's Suan Weaver and, uh, I, I love her, but she lives in fucking Ventura. You know, that's the only issue. It's a far I don't love ass. anybody that much. Yeah. 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 That's it's far. a lot of love. It's a lot I don't, of fucking I love. don't like birthday parties. I, if, yeah. 
if we're friends, honey, I will take you to a drink, just you and me. Mm-hmm. You you and me, we can hang out. We can watch a movie. We'll go I get understand. a drink another day. I understand. Birthday parties, I like my birthday parties, but yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not trying to go make friends with new people right. in this like awkward, stilted situation where like there's so many of us. I, I just, it. I don't like that. I get it. Because, you know, it's like we have different kinds of friends, right? Like I'm one individual, but I have like a series of groups of friends and they have a type, they have a certain dynamic, like they fall into certain categories. And if you bring them all together in one room, they don't mesh, right? Right. No, they really don't. And it's awkward for them. And you have such a history with all of these people. So you feel really comfortable, Uh but I always feel how awkward everybody else feels. Yeah. But do you have like that one friend whose friends like like you just hate all of them do you have like a friend like that because i have a friend like that like every single friend i've met of hers i'm like i hate this person whoa that's such a good question yeah um or like a friend who who keeps dating hate hateful people that i have yes (laughs) i have like what are you supposed to do when they're like that Unfortunately, that's the end of that relationship. You gotta, I mean, you can't be friends with somebody and not like their partner, especially if it's like their permanent partner, like they're going to be with them forever, you you think, or if it's been more than a couple of years, like, honey, you, you, it's very rare that you're going to get to hang out with that person without at least their person being brought up. And if you want to have like real trust and real companionship with somebody, you got to be honest, but you don't need to be telling them that you don't like their friend. So, or they don't like their partner. So you, I I think you just got to kind of make new friends. Unfortunately, my mom, she won't listen to this. It's fine. I think my mom (laughs) has a lot of friends, like a lot of fun girlfriends who are married to duds. And I can't with that. I like, and then my dad, who's cool and fun, gets dragged along to these like couples dinners. And he's right. like, I got stuck talking to the guy the whole time. And he's a fucking dud. And I'm like, yeah, that won't be happening for me. I will not be. I will not. I can't have that be my life. Your dad should microdose on mushrooms before he goes to these couples dinners. That might be fun for him. Funny that you say that when they came to L.A., they did uh, do marijuana. marijuana For the first time? No, they were like okay. stoners in the. They were like hippies in oh, the seventies. Yeah, but like so, for the first time in a, lo- in a long time. Yeah, yeah. 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 How do they years, like it? Probably. They liked it a lot. My dad like loves it. My mom's yeah. not. My mom likes it. She's not so sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My dad All loves right. it. Loves. That's loves cool. It. Like, was yeah. it like fun? Like you know, smoking pot with them and hanging out. Like what was that? It was so fun. It was yeah. so fun. Um, they're big time drinkers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Ohio, was, right? Yeah. 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 So it was really fun to do something a little more mellow and see them laugh a little bit rather uh-huh. than like corner me and talk <laughs> my ear off without caring if I'm listening. You know, like how drunk people do. <laughs> Isn't that annoying? It's part of the reason why I kind of – I stopped drinking. That's one thing. I quit drinking during the pandemic. Good for you. Like, yeah. I was like, I was drinking a lot of wine during the pandemic, like every single fucking, every two weeks, it was like a bi-weekly thing. Bi-weekly, I would go to Ralph's and buy six bottles of wine because you get 30% off. I'm like, of course. Hell yeah. And I would, I like, there were some nights when I would be just fucked up and I'm by myself <laughs> and I'm like, 
you know, accidentally knocking my wine glass over and breaking it. And I'm like, fuck, you know, this is pathetic. I'm a loser, you know? Like, this, is, <laughs> this is stupid. So I just had to stop. I had to cut this shit out. You know, I remember it was December. It was around Christmas. And I was just like, this is my last bottle of wine. Like, I'm done after this. And Whoa, dude. Grace, yeah. that's really impressive. Like, thanks. That's yeah. really like, that is a lot of self-control and a lot of self-awareness to be able to be like, Maybe. I'm done here. I'm not sure sure. if it's self-control because I'm not very good with self-control. I'm not. Uh, But I think it's self-awareness. I'm glad you mentioned that because it was more like I'm not good with self-control, so I want to have more self-control. And one way of having it is by not being inebriated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could do that. So it's like the self-awareness sort of penetrated through and I was able to find some self-control in the matter oh that's a good way to put it yeah, that's a good way because to put it's, it. it's not like i'm like craving it all the time it's not like i need wine i need wine if i'm thinking about it i'm like i need it i want it all the time then there's no fucking way i would give that shit up you know what i'm saying like why right. would i it it more had to do with this internal logic that i was just like this isn't serving me anymore it's a big waste of water i have to give it up and that's when i stopped that's a good way to put it and i feel like i feel like it's rarely addiction is rarely about like i feel like there's so much stigma around the word word Mm -hmm. addiction of like Mm -hmm. can you say can you say addiction we're all we all are addicted to so many things exactly and addiction i feel like so often we think of it that way of like i couldn't say no i couldn't turn it down right i was craving it all the time Uh i was tempted by it all the time but i don't think it's really about that as much as it's just about yeah self-control about not being able to control when it is Mm -hmm. in front of you Mm -hmm. when it is there and just trying to numb stuff. Exactly. It's a yeah. distraction. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's not that you actually want it. Cause I'm no. I'm for years have dealt with food stuff in that way. And I'm currently in, in a place where I'm like, why if I or if I buy Oreos, <laughs> honey, the whole bag is gone. God. It God. is gone. I will yeah. put it in my cupboard, I'll put it away, <laughs> I'll go sit down on the couch and be like, no. all right, I would have to That's get up and go to the cupboard about. to get it. But mm-hmm. I get up mm-hmm. and I get it. Because mm-hmm. but if it wasn't in my house, I wouldn't have it. It's not that I actually want it. I just want yeah. something to do. I want something to eat it's to take my mind is a distraction. It's a hundred percent a distraction. But you know, I got better with that too. I used to be that buy Oreos and I I would obsessively think about it and you know, yeah, it would be gone like instantly. But uh now like I buy like cookies and chocolate and ice cream, like when I go grocery shopping. In the past I never did, but I'll stock up and they're still there. Like <laughs> they're in my cabinets you know and I, I don't know what it is like i'm i'm getting better with it yeah are there certain vices that you had that you gave up like cigarettes or anything like that um i mean how deep do we want to go on this podcast uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh whatever you're I'm, comfortable with yeah yeah i'll just be honest that but my my uh, Everyone in my family is like super. It's always been apparent to me that alcohol has been like their huge mm-hmm. vice. Yeah. So it, it, that comes and goes for me, but not really. It's I'm so aware of it that that drugs mm-hmm. and like physical vices like that have never really been my mm-hmm. thing. Sex mm-hmm. has always been my vice. Mm. Like that's the sex thing. Sex is a big addiction for that I numb people. with. Yeah. 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 And it's a good distraction. It's like one of the best. Majorly. Majorly. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. Man. I mean, you're so. It's like a really, when you're feeling out of control, it's like a, 
this is fucked up, but it's like a good way to feel really like in your body. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Grounded. It's physical. It's grounding. It's physical. It's meditative. You're breathing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in a more regulated way. Mm-hmm. It's actually very meditative, I think. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. And a lot of times you're convincing yourself you're connecting with somebody. <laughs> you're probably not. A lot if you're me. You're probably not. But like, yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's really <laughs> so. I've actually been uh, getting better about that lately, about not uh, engaging, like not on any apps or anything anymore, which is oh, that's very awesome. nice because the apps are such. I mean, talk about addiction, right? The apps, man. Like I could just not even looking for actual sex, just looking for validation. Like yeah, just flicking through those apps like they're a video game. Like yeah, more people, more people, more people. It's gamified. That's the thing. It's gamified. And so it's also more dehumanizing, you know, because we're people. I mean, it's just to me, I I don't do it. I don't do the apps. I tried it um, years ago and I was just like, this is so dehumanizing. I can't do it. So I just stopped. In fact, I gave up a lot of things. I gave up cigarettes like a bunch of years ago. I gave up coffee a bunch of years ago. Gave up alcohol a year ago. I gave up sex and love a few, like a couple years ago. Two years ago, I was just like, I'm done with sex. I'm done with love. Yeah. I'm not like um, restrictive to it. I'm not like, no fucking, no, (laughs) no love, no intimacy. I'm not like that. But it's more like, um, like if somebody doesn't approach me seriously and honestly and sincerely, and if I just sense any kind of bullshit, I'm immediately like, like my brain immediately cuts it out. I'm like, yeah, not interested. You know, I don't humor it at all. And uh, I think that's why it's gotten easier for me to like give up alcohol. Because I used to think that I could never give up alcohol. I had a drink every single day, like since I was like 19, literally every single day since I was 19. That's like a long time. And I never thought I could stop alcohol because I loved drinking. And you know you're you're mentioning alcoholism in your family. I have it on my dad's side of the family too. And um, but in December, I was just like, ah, it's not serving me. So goodbye to this. Yeah, that is so impressive. So you have so many vices that you've just been able to like clear away. But there's no end to it, man. Like I'm I'm yeah. still addicted to television. You know, hello, mm-hmm. season four of Handmaid's Tale. Watch that in like three days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm addicted to uh, my phone. I'm. There are a lot of things I'm still addicted to. Uh, but, you know, it's just I, I just have to figure out, like, is this serving me or not? If it's serving me, then I'm like, OK, fine. You know, it's only a problem once, you know, I'm like, oh, this is a huge problem. Like, it's like interfering with my life and my ability to live. Then it's a problem. But right now, right. it's not at that point. Not yet. Because so. you're right. We If you have an addictive tendency or an addictive personality, it, that's mm-hmm. always going to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really good way to put it. Like it's all about finding the things that you can be addicted to in a healthy way that are serving you. Like honestly, yes. not for nothing, I'm addicted to tennis now. Yeah. Like I've, re- I've replaced a lot of those other bad habits with mm. – something that is actually connecting with a friend, yeah. actually exercise, which is helpful. Yeah. And that and releases is like, the endorphins, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love what you just said. That was like so well said. I love that. Um, yeah, it's did true. Did you start out as a stand-up or as a sketch or as an improv comic or just a theater person? As a theater person. Yeah, I started out. Uh, I mean, I have been 
right i i felt funny ever since i was like a little little kid and loved yeah. comedy like mm-hmm. i wrote my first stand-up set when i was in fourth grade for like a mm-hmm. talent show Aww. and did it then and then i did it again when i was like 15 mm-hmm. and then i always had like a little book of jokes with me and i kind oh, of always cute. knew that i would do stand-up yeah. and then when i was 19 someone broke into my car and took my computer that was in my backpack and my book of jokes that i've been carrying around with me for like four or five years oh my God. like hundreds of terrible terrible jokes um but still but it was crushing it was yeah. like oh i, I can never so if someone could just take everything that i've worked at yeah. that i've accumulated for so life. long yeah. yeah it was horrible it was really horrible i was it was like really it's devastating devastating yeah and so i was like i think i just kind of like couldn't bring myself to do it anymore mm, after that it was traumatic it was so traumatic and um and I just love theater. Like I like that's like my like happy place of like if I'm in the car and I want to feel really good, I'll turn on like a good musical theater song. Yeah. Um when Oh I, my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're just so like, gay. I love it. I'm like, so you're such gay. A queen. It's so I'm amazing. such a queen. <laughs> okay. And and you know, I think what you just said is a huge part of it. I didn't feel like there was a place for me in comedy when I was mm. nineteen. I'm such a queen. Like there was yeah. no I see. I mean, Wanda Sykes was like still in the closet. Right. Uh, Ellen was coming out of the closet and then everybody was like, fuck you. (laughs) Let's cancel your show. Like there was, and those are women like. Yeah. Yeah. Gay, like gay femme guy. Like I. John Travolta in the closet. In the closet, honey. (laughs) You know, and as far as stand up went, like that world just seemed sad and dark and straight to me. And very, very mask. Yeah. Very mask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. like, I'm a white man and there was a lot of that. So like, you know, you'd think I would feel comfortable in that way. But I just, I just wasn't inspired by anything that anybody was doing. Like I, comedy made me laugh and like i like i love norm mcdonald may mm-hmm. he rest and like mm-hmm. I, I would really really laugh listening to his stuff but that yeah. wouldn't be my like i want to feel good i'm going to put on a norm's album <laughs> i'd be like i want to feel good i want to put on little shop of horrors <laughs> yeah and so yeah. that kind of was like a no-brainer for me that i was like i need to go do theater oh it's beautiful and then yeah. theater kind of ran its course for me and i was like i don't and i lost the passion and the love for that hmm. And while I was doing theater, I was always making videos, always writing like sketch mm-hmm, videos. Mm-hmm. And um, then I got into like the UCB improv scene in New York. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to LA, a manager was like, um, you need to be doing stand-up. Like a big mm-hmm. time, like one of like the big uh, management companies out here. Like yeah. I was very lucky to have a meeting with them. And she was like, yeah. didn't sign me, but was like, I'm going <laughs> to keep on you. And she does still, in fairness, she does still keep in contact with me and she's been yeah. like a wonderful supporter of mine which yeah. is so you know i i respect that so much that she's like yeah. you know she didn't say no i'm not gonna sign you she just was like i want you to keep doing stand-up and like keep on my radar and i'll keep on yes. your radar that's still big that's still yeah. a lot and the fact that she like believed enough in me to be like i'm a huge comedy person mm-hmm. that manages huge comedy people and i think yeah. you should go do this was i was like okay and then yeah. i Started doing stand up when I was like 30. And she was like kind of recalling your love for the, I mean, that was kind of like your original love. Yeah. Yeah. Four years old, 15 years old, 19 years old. Like it's like, it's like, and, 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 uh, you had this break from it because of a terrible incident, but she gave you this push. The universe gave you a push to come back to your love 
reconquer your your anxiety about it and go and do it because you know you're a naturally funny guy and i love how you were sort of navigating these uh entertainment sectors just based on like what felt really good to you that's what i love about this story you just told me is like you know it was stand-up that made you feel good but then you know like after that incident you got you were more drawn to theater and that was like fun and made you feel good and like you always let this good feeling be your navigational guide and i think that's amazing thanks yeah i think success wise it's been really bad <laughs> really <laughs> detrimental it's sort of like jack of all trades master of none you know like wow. like if i really want to be a great stand-up i need to get out there more especially mm. now that we're getting there's more shows happening now that the pandemic's yeah. dwindling a little bit but yeah. like yeah i think like personally and creatively i have like creative adhd and mm. i get really excited about different things and i want to yes. follow what's exciting to me so yeah. i think personally like i'll look back on my life on my deathbed and be like damn yeah i really got to do a lot of different things and that's yeah. really cool it is yeah. and ultimately like it, they get they get segmented into different things but they're actually the same are they not no yeah you're right you're right yeah they really are yeah. and like steve martin's book his book born standing up he like talked a little such bit about it which book. i thought was it's such a good book yeah. and there was like a section in there that was like you know i used to beat myself up about trying to be a magician for several years yeah. Yeah. but then like i did magic in the three musketeers movie and i realized like oh everything i've ever everything. done everything. is helpful it, anything yes. you're learning about any like even tennis like mm -hmm. who fucking like yes i'm doing it for the joy and you're doing it mm -hmm. for the joy but, like mm -hmm. who knows if somebody's gonna approach us with an audition for a movie where they need people who actually know yeah, how to play it's going to be called us open and it's going to start you and me and right you. yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah i'll be playing layla fernandez you'll be playing i don't know some dude and serena williams it'll be serena really problematic <laughs> it'll be really problematic and i'll be like I don't, I don't think i can take this role i think this would be fucked up but people will be like it's they're gonna pay you 10 million dollars for you we have to, to do serena. it we gotta do it are you kidding Oh my God, that's so that good. That would be a real dilemma. That would be a real I, dilemma. You'd be a great Serena. Just Thank you so much. <laughs> have you ever seen the, uh, speaking of ADHD, have you ever seen <laughs> her um, Architectural Digest video about her no. house? No, no, no. Oh, I want to see her house. Some of the, I watch a lot of those videos because I think houses are fun. And yeah. a lot of those houses are like, Naomi Campbell has like probably the best one. She takes you to her house in Kenya and it is it's like acres upon acres oh my gosh. of house of like pools. There's like several pools. A lot of those rich people have like really amazing houses. And Serena yeah. Williams house is one of the most insane houses I've ever seen. It makes literally no sense. Instead of a living room, her foyer is an art gallery with like the dumbest looking art you've ever seen. She takes you into her trophy room and she's like, oh, these are all my master wins. And then yeah. I don't keep any second place wins in here because Fuck that, basically. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Good for Serena. You know, know. this is, okay. I, I was lucky enough to go and see the U.S. Open this year and mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a fucking blast. Yeah, yeah. I went I went to New York a few weeks ago solely to go and see U.S. Open. Yeah, I did a couple wow. shows, but I went there mo mainly to see uh, tennis, uh, watch tennis. Okay. While I was like on the seven train going to U.S. Open, I just, I was just like, I was just curious. I was like, who has the most number of Grand Slams? I didn't say what gender. I said who, right? Yeah. And Roger Federer comes up. 
Hmm. But he has 21. Serena Williams has 23. Okay? So I was like, why did Google only show me Roger Federer and leave out the women's, like, I was just... I was like, I, I asked who has the most number of Grand Slams in the world, who as a person, and it should have been Serena Williams, but fucking Google was, you know, sexist in that Google's moment. And- racist, sexist <laughs> ass. It's the system, like you're saying, it's the parks charging us the money. It's the racist and sexist system in here. What's it gonna stop? What's it gonna That end? is fucked up. But now we're here to declare the truth. Serena Williams ha- is the is the person with the most number of Grand Slam titles in the world. It's Hell not, yeah! It's not Roger. All right. It's All right. Serena. It's Serena. Don't get it, don't get All it the twisted. Way. Don't get it fucking twisted. Okay, I'm gonna ask you some flashcard questions um, based on a Netflix Korean drama called Navi Lara, and uh, you just answer it based on what you would do in that moment if you were this person. Okay. Okay. Um. So. Let's say you're a man in his 70s. You're a retired postal worker, okay? You have three children. You have Mm -hmm. a son who works as a banker, a daughter who is married to a local politician, and another son, the youngest, who used to be a surgeon, but he recently quit his job. It's your birthday, and everyone's Mm -hmm. gathered at the table to celebrate your birthday, but your three children start fighting and screaming at the table over money. What do you do? (laughs) I laugh like this. I go... (laughs) (laughs) typical typical you selfish selfish little shits i gave up everything for you so that you could have a beautiful life the three of you have incredible access to politics to banks to hospitals but you gave that up didn't you why? Because you, why? So you go become a clown slash florist? <laughs> Please, get a grip. Stop fighting. Take this up in therapy, and realize that I used to have to walk ten miles in the snow it, with tennis rackets on my feet instead of shoes because that's how my generation had to deal with the. Ever heard of the Great Depression? Oh, you have depression. We had a Great Depression. So get a fucking grip. Order your escargot and your spaghetti with meatballs because, yeah, spaghetti with meatballs because to me, you'll always be little fucking kids, little pukes. Now give me my presents and shut the fuck up. That's what I would say. Oh my God. You should play the father in succession. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. Do you watch that show? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I have to watch it, I guess. I've watched is, the first episode and it was so white and straight and boring. It is, but it is so funny. I'm telling you, okay. it is like, it's epic comedy. You have to watch it as epic comedy, then okay. it's fucking amusing as hell. Um, okay, I love that answer. But yeah, you would make an amazing Logan Roy, just saying. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, so you're you're the same old man, okay? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're walking by a dance studio and you see a young man in his 20s, this really like fit, beautiful young man performing ballet. And you've never seen anything so beautiful in your life. And the young man sees you looking at him and he gives you the stink eye. What do you do? I open the door and I say, it's a weird way to look at somebody that you're trying to fuck. (laughs) 
And then I pull my dick out and I say, into it? Into it? That's what I do. Okay, so you essentially me too, this young man. Absolutely. I'm 70. It's it's kind of my whole thing. Anything goes. Yeah, yeah, Any, yeah. yeah. It's, oh my God. I'm very problematic, but everyone in their 70s is. <laughs> Good, good, good. All right. All right. All right. So let's say you're the young man now. Okay. You're that young man that this old man was eyeing. You're a young man in his early 20s. Your name is Chedok. Your mother is dead. Your father is in prison for practicing corporal punishment while being a soccer coach. And you live by yourself. You work a bunch of part-time jobs and you train as a serious ballerino. Like that is your thing. And you're very talented. All right. Your ballet coach tells you, that you need to start teaching ballet to this old man in his 70s, Mr. Shim. What do you do? Hmm. I say, Mr. Shim, <laughs> let me see what you got. Put on the wagon wheel of Watusi. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and I just check out what, what I'm working with initially. And if I think I can mold him into being an old man star, uh-huh. And then I go for it. I say, yes, let me do this. Wow. If if I don't think he has what it takes, yeah. I take out a long cigarette. I light it. <laughs> I say, you only have a few years left on this earth. Don't waste it here in the studio with me. Get another hobby. And then I drop into the splits. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're, you're like a, a Devil Wears Prada kind of person. You know what's crazy is that's, pretty much exactly what Chedok does in the show. He just, minus the cigarette part. But yeah, he basically tells the old man, like, if you can do this one move, then I will train you. But if you can't, go Shut up. Off. That's exactly that is, what happens. That is like kind of storytelling one-on-one, I guess. It's very much like, <laughs> let's see what we're working with and let's up the stakes by being like, you have one ch-. It's like Julia Stiles in Save the Last Dance. Yes. She's yeah. got to nail that dance. Got to do it. Yeah. You know, in that, in that, dance when she's doing the dance right like at the in the end it's like the big finale right okay tell me were you weirded out when she was pointing her fingers in absolutely. the dance moves? absolutely <laughs> thank you thank the you. whole dance is like truly some of the worst she has a dance body double but every time they cut to her it's like shocking so it's so shocking so bad it's some of the worst dancing you'll ever see I was like, how did film. she, how did they put this in the final cut? It was astounding. <laughs> and the whole thing is that she's like good at hip hop. It's so, so funny. Oh my God. It's oh so God. bad. So bad. Oh, thank God. Thank you for um, uh, confirming that because it just haunted me for years, like years. I'm, years I'm years. envisioning it in my head right now. And it's oh, really I was like, stop pointing your fingers, Julia. <laughs> Like it was too much. I couldn't take it. She sits down in the chair like this. (laughs) And her hands are like creepy witch hands. I know. If she wore boxing gloves, it would have been cooler. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been this like experimental thing. It would have been cool. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah, I want to be her manager just so I could tell her, like, you know, you should wear boxing gloves in every single role you ever take on from here on out, like, till the day you die. Like, that's your gimmick. That's your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 
Awesome. Awesome. I'm loving these answers. Okay. Are you still okay on time? Or, yeah, like, I'm good. Okay. All right. So you're the old man, Mr. Shim again. Okay. You love ballet. All right. You love it. Like when you were a little boy, you wanted to become a ballerino. You actually, that was actually your dream. And you saw people dancing in the dance studio and you were so moved by, by their dance. But your father saw you looking at it and he beat the shit out of you. And he told you, if you ever set eyes on that kind of thing again, he'll fucking fuck your shit up, okay? And now, now you're older and you're about to die any day and you're finally pursuing your dreams and learning ballet. And your wife and three children find out what you're doing and they beg you to stop because they think it's so fucking weird what do you do i do stop i give it up for my wife and my child and the crippling sadness from having to give up something so beautiful forces me into a life of sex addiction and i start <laughs> going to prostitutes and male male prostitutes and asking them to speak to me like they're my father and I jerk off while they hit me with a bunch of rulers and say, ballet is stupid. And then they do the, they do, they do the speech from Sister Act 2 that the mom does when she comes into Lord Hill. And she's like, but, but they change the words to ballet. So they say, with every thwack, they say, ballet will never put food on the table. Oh, no, is singing? Wait, what is it? Singing is not... Oh shit! Oh man, singing, I really you know it, right? Greg? Does not put food on the table. That is in there. Singing, singing is, is no <laughs> dancing. Does not put food on the table. Dancing is no guarantee to a future. Dancing. Oh shit! There's You're a gonna third. end up on the streets like your father, uh, singing his shouldas, shoulda, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, and uh, it was like a very elegant Ooh, and it's really very heart wrenching really speech. Yeah, <laughs> I love Sister too. Act. Oh my god! Oh so my god! Good. So good! So good! Uh, you know what I noticed? This is just a theory I have. I think School of Rock is a remake of Sister Act. Whoa! It totally yeah. is. It totally Whoa. is. Yeah. It totally is. Just whitewashed and with children. That's all. That's the only difference. Yeah. You're so right. But they're in private schools, you know, like fish out person of water, impersonating yeah. something that he and she, like, they are not, you know, it's like. Not just something, literally the exact same thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's identical. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing. And, and what I also noticed is like Sister Act is kind of uh, an emulation of um, Sound of Music. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, blowing mm -hmm. my mind. You're so right. You're so okay. right. All right, all right. I'm I'm loving these answers. Okay. All right, all right. So, you're the, you're the old man again, Mr. Shim. Okay. Your wife sits you down, and she says she feels shame for having raised her children in such a poor environment, and she doesn't want you to do anything that might embarrass your kids. So you tell your wife what you said. You, you tell your wife that you'll quit ballet. All right. Mm -hmm. But one day, your oldest son, Sung San, he comes to your house and he catches you wearing your ballet tights and he flips the shit. He flips out and he tells he starts screaming at you. He's like he's telling you how much he hated having to worry about the family's finances since he was a little boy and how ashamed he is of you for having such a weird ass hobby. And he shames you for having been such a poor man all your life and shames you for taking on ballet. What do you do? I laugh again in his face. I go, ha, 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 ha. You think you can talk to me like that? You think you've had a hard life? 
you hear that? Oh, baby, that's the wambulance coming. <laughs> because, oh, you're so sad. You've had such a hard life. Oh, you grew up poor. My dad used to beat me about ballet. Try being a straight guy that wants to do ballet. Oh, you don't have any money? Everybody doesn't have money. Only the 1% are rich. Give me a fucking break. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. And you know what? Get out of my house. You're kicked out. And that's what <laughs> I would say. forever. All right, Goodbye good. Forever. Yeah. Fucking ingrate, right? Ugh. All ingrate. right. Mm. Children. What the fuck? Children. Fucking Children kids. Children Blame parents bad. for everything. They suck. <laughs> get a grip. Go to therapy. Get a grip. Literally. Okay, 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 okay. We have three more. We. Fe- I, I, I'm loving your answers, though. Okay. You're Cheruk again. You're the young man. You have a very important audition coming up. It is like a huge deal, okay? If you land this gig, it changes your career. It changes your life, all right? But you have a, a bully named Hobum, okay? That bully pushes you down a flight of stairs and you injure your ankle. Your audition is in one week. What do you do? I stay home. I cry. I feel through the pain. I don't turn to opioids or anything. Mm. I like... I don't try to numb the pain. Yeah. And then I start jerking off thinking about the bully <laughs> pushing me down the stairs. <laughs> and I, I become a cam girl and I make a lot of money from that. And I, I don't need ballet anymore. Good. Good. Oh my God. I love that you have an answer for everything. Like, mm-hmm. why Why is anybody ever worried about anything when Tim Murray has all the fucking answers? Hello. Call me up. Call me up. Call Tim. I'll help you. I'll Tim tell you what to do. Tim will help you. Tim will fucking help you. Turn off Oprah. <laughs> Tim has the answer. For the love of God, save your money on therapy. Call Tim. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. All right. So you're, you're Cheruk again. You're that young man. Your student, Mr. Shim, who was passionate about ballet. All right, he is showing, uh-oh, he's showing signs of dementia, all right? You find out that he has full-blown Alzheimer's disease, okay? Mm-hmm. But Mr. Shim doesn't want to tell anyone in his family about it because he's just not ready to break the news. Meanwhile, Mr. Shim keeps getting lost in the streets. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I sit Mr. Shim down. I say, babe, <laughs> we're going to watch something that's going to help you. I put in a DVD of Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> The Samuel L. Jackson movie about how they're studying sharks to cure Alzheimer's. Sharks' brains, apparently, in this movie, have the cure to Alzheimer's. And I say, this is what's going to help you. Um, We need to get out to sea with LL Cool J and Samuel L. Jackson immediately. And we need to start studying sharks and all your problems will be solved. That's it, really. Oh my god, that's so good. Do you remember the end of that film? The 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 female protagonist who we've been following the whole time, like she like cuts her hand and uses herself oh, as yeah. bait to save the. I was just like, what? Oh yeah, like, and she I, dies, right? She dies. She ends up die- like a shark comes and like fucking eats her, and it's it, it's over. And I was like, we were invested in her. We were following her the whole movie, and what you're gonna just fucking kill this bitch? That was fucked. That movie is fucked up. That's so good, though. I mean, it's I was so good. Fully, I would rewatch that right now. <laughs> In that a movie heartbeat. Is so... Samuel Jackson giving that speech and then the that shark... monologue about the ice. One of the best moments ever in a movie. That is like really. I was remember watching that as a kid and be like, my jaw was on the floor. 
I could not believe it. <laughs> oh my god. We need to have you back on. We have to talk more about movies because it's just like not. Let's do a whole episode on Deep Blue Sea. Just Deep Blue Sea only. We just textual <laughs> textual analysis of Deep Blue Sea. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. All right, final final question. These are great. All right, final question. You're Cheroko again. You're the young man. Your father, who was in prison for a few years because he was beating up his uh, soccer students when he was a coach, uh, he finally gets out. Okay, so you go okay. to the prison to greet him on the day of his release. But when you get there, the guards tell you that your father already left hours ago. What do you do? I say, is it before 11 a.m.? Because I'm going to get myself a McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm going to turn this day around. I'm going to make this good for myself. I get a McDonald's breakfast. I call up a friend. We go play around of tennis. <laughs> tennis is great. I go home. Yeah. I get the prostitute to come back over. <laughs> And say, but this time instead of beating me and saying mean things, I just um, ask them to get closer to me. And then every time they get close to me, they run away like my dad. <laughs> That's it, really. Very good, very good. Yeah, Thank you should have, you should have uh, written and starred in this show. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's, a, it's a much better show. <laughs> what are they thinking? <laughs> what is Netflix thinking? Fucking hiring a bunch of Koreans to write and feature and star. And this is like, no, it should have been Tim. Yeah. Hire a white man <laughs> for once. Netflix for once. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Grace.